Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our recommend or refute episode where we're going to go around the table and each talk about something that we watched separately this week and pitch it to the group or tell everybody else, hey, maybe don't maybe don't watch this. Uh, with me, as always, our regular crew, John Garcia. What's up, John? Hey, I am feeling perfectly fine. Good baseline. October is not ruined to me yet. Mm. I feel like I need one of those Blade Runner tests where I'm like within cells interlinked to just like know when I've crossed the threshold, but I'm not entirely sure. John, have um, you considered that you might just already be broken and it's not possible for Schlocktober to destroy your psyche any more than it already is? I did watch Lawnmower Man 2 today and I thought it was okay. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, one, I'm wondering if wrong. he takes that test and it's more like the, w- w- why are you asking that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the turtle yeah. in the desert, flip why it over. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> why isn't the turtle apart? watching Schlock? <laughs> uh, and Ryan King, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. All right. My my sanity's there, but we're not watching the same Sherlock. We're just over here. We're just watching bad kid movies. <laughs> That's standard center practice for the King household. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, John, uh, what piece of shit did you watch this week? <laughs> um. Well, I watched a movie that uh, I think it's one of my new favorites. Honestly, just it's so hmm. special. Um, I'm one of four people to review it on Letterboxd. It's a real privilege, I wow. gotta say. Uh, it's 1993's Rage of Vengeance. Here, in a world of violence, an ex-cop tries to forget his past. I just want it over. But an ex-con never forgot him. You and I must face each other. One is running the streets. I'm taking what is mine. The other could lose everything he loves. I'm gonna kill him. Now, two worlds collide. And only one will survive. How many people do you think have seen this movie? If four people have ever rated it on Letterboxd, I know it came out in 1993, well in advance of when Letterboxd existed, but how how many people do you think over under a thousand people have watched this movie? I'm going to say over a thousand just because, you know, with the VHS revolution and democratization of video and movies. Did this get a theatrical release? No, there's no way. Definitely there's, not. There's, there's no, no way, way this got a theatrical release based on like, I would assume everyone like. it, or maybe 80% of the crew has watched it. Maybe not all of them. Maybe there's some Michael Caine aspect there of people who, who did the, not watch the movie. They yeah. Were in. The fact that the, um, that the letterbox doesn't even have a synopsis. <laughs> says everything that there is to say about this. Um, Rage of Vengeance, 1993, is directed by Serge Rodnonsky. It's also written by Serge. That title feels redundant. Rage uh, of Vengeance. Rage of Vengeance. It really does, yeah. right? Uh, so a little fun trivia fact for you. Serge is um, apparently a well-known ballet instructor who also starred okay. in the Broadway production of Cats. And, oh my God! Uh, this is all the trivia that I read about. It's a horrible uh, confluence maybe, of events. Maybe I'm pronouncing Serge wrong. It might be Sergey. Sorry, Sergey Rudnansky. I like um, Serge. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Serge. Apologies, Serge or Sergey, if that's your name. There's no I in it. It's spelled like uh, Serge. Yeah. So, um, I guess 
at some point he decided that he wanted to make a movie and the movie needed to be about the themes of revenge. And uh, we just talked about Mandy. Mm-hmm. You know, it all fits together for me in my brain. Um, but that might be because my brain's rotted. Uh, and this whole movie is about uh, a cop whose name is just Frank. There's no last names in this movie except for uh, somebody who plays Tony Wu. I don't know if the Wu is the last name, but hey, why not? Um, and Tony Frank, Wu! Yeah, <laughs> Frank is a, an undercover cop or a regular cover cop. I don't fucking know. Who, <laughs> overcover who, cop. He's an overcover. <laughs> he's a trench coat overcover cop who goes, uh, who, who kills like the lover of a mob boss. And the mob boss decides that he needs to get revenge on Frank. And um, there's this whole kind of it's a story that we've all heard a lot of times where it's like, hey, I'm I'm the rival to this mobster. I'm the only cop who could take him down. Um, But there's also another pair of cops who are trying to take him down and everything like that. That why, why does he murder the love interest of this mobster? He's trying to bust this mobster, um, but also, you know, as a cop, he's trying to act as the judge, jury, and executioner, which is uh, sure uh, as the most cops do. Yep. Yeah, uh, so the law. he just like unloads <laughs> a full clip of rounds into this dude's girlfriend or lover, or whatever, and that guy. The movie opens with that, and the guy's like, "No!" and screaming about it. Um, and uh, Frank's kind of haunted by it. He doesn't really give a shit. He's more haunted by the fact that he missed and he did not arrest the mobster. Um, it's and the-, the missed shots that really keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah. Damn, all those dead kids. That's not what bothers me. <laughs> it's the kids I didn't kill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, maybe the real friends we made were the kids we killed along the way. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he, like the entire movie is this back and forth, them trying to like chase each other and everything. I don't really care too much about the story because it's really about the vibe. Um, like as, Mandy. Yeah. And, and if you've, you've listened to me talk about bad movies before and things that I really love about these kinds of movies, um, uh, full disclosure, I am a the only person who's rated this movie two out of five stars. Uh, the other person has rated it like a three and a half or other two people have rated it three and a half and one person's rated it five stars. So, oh, was that the director? Was that Serge? Uh, yeah, it's probably Serge. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I, I love it all the same because it has it's punching above its weight. It's really trying to go for something and it clearly doesn't have the budget to do it. Uh, and I'll give you an example of something that uh, definitely tells you that um, characters, when they get shot, they don't have squibs. And so they just convulse on screen to the sound of bullets. And it looks like they're being possessed yep. by sound effects. It's, that, that sounds right. That's yeah. that's fairly common for low budget movies. It's yeah. 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 It's the the uh, the platoon effect. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but But other times like. They use like uh, clearly black paintballs to, oh. to shoot like a person or two. Um, all of the actors in it are overacting. They're like really swinging for the fences and giving an Academy Award performance um, in every scene. And it just channels that kind of like, oh, you really tried. And I can tell that you tried. And I can feel the energy you're trying to put behind it, but it's just not landing. Um, there are also sequences in which. Uh, editing wise they did not know how to make it look more realistic that people got shot or somebody was hit by a car say and so they'll just 
hard cut to an establishing shot and then immediately cut right back to the exact same scene and just show somebody. So like a dude gets like hit a before by, and after. kind of. A... So like uh, imagine if you will, somebody's walking on the street and they get hit by a car. Okay. The car drives up going full speed and then you just get a hard cut to like um, the place that they're at. It's like a power plant. And then a hard cut right back to them being like, hey, what the fuck? They're like on the hood of the car. Like, why right, did you try yeah. to hit me? Yeah, that's uh-huh. exactly what yeah. it is. You don't um, see the actual impact. You see the before the impact and the after yeah, the impact. The, yeah, the choreography also, there's some choreography that's kind of decent where they were kicking each other and that kind of stuff and somebody will fall back into a piece of glass, but you get that exact same establishing shot cut and then it cuts back to a glass piece being pulled out of their body. That's like um, the worst kind of editing I could ever possibly imagine yeah. for that kind of sequence. Like, it, there are exactly. ways, like, why don't you just cut to the dude's face who's being hit by the car and then cut to the after, right? There are right. so many ways yeah. you could do that where it could feel more cohesive than just like a wide shot of the area generally. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, John loves these movies where they have no fundamental understanding of how a movie works. It's yeah. so charming to me because I mean, the director and writer uh, obviously being of a theatrical background seems to have some understanding that you need to somehow show that there's Something. a kinetic action happening, <laughs> but there's, there's no footage shot to reflect it. Um, and I, I was just more enamored with that. There's also a love scene that happens that I was really surprised has like full exposed breasts in it because I thought surely no actor would expose herself to this movie would, would last that long being in a position that looks this sexual or whatever. They didn't cut to an establishing shot instead. Yeah. They didn't cut to any establishing (laughs) shots or anything. They, they just full on show kind of a sensual sex scene happening. That's just still awkwardly done. And I was more impressed with the actors committing fully on that kind of budget to this sort of thing. Um, it, it, to me, it felt like this place in between uh, champagne and bullets and like breathing fire or the, those kind of movies that are lower budget, early nineties. Um, it, it felt like a passion project where they're just like Serge was really trying to meditate on how far revenge will drive you. Cause the main character and any ancillary characters who try to come in contact with this mob boss, they end up having somebody close to them get killed for just trying to pursue vengeance. And it's like, cool. I see that you're thematically trying to pursue that, but the way that you're doing it is totally wrong. And it's, it, there's so many things that I can see wrong about it. That hmm. could be just a little better. You could tweak it this way or that way. And for like a filmmaker in particular, I think it's just fun to watch. So for me, I was like, Oh, I exactly know what you were trying to do at every step of the way in this. And I just had a fun time like watching it. I was like, you can see where the direction went wrong, where some of the the lines that were fed could have been a little bit better, that kind of stuff. And it's fun to pick apart. Um, but yeah, I, I really dug it. Uh, I interesting. It's, it's again, like approaching like a recommender repeat stance. I want to recommend it for like film lovers just because it's fun to pick apart. I think with friends, especially it would be a good watch. Um, but on my own, I could see it. Like if you're just not as familiar with this kind of territory, it's not going to be fun. It's going to feel more painful than it is uh, fun for you. But again, I found something new I want to share with friends. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Uh, given that four people have rated this on Letterboxd, uh, how did you find this? Where can you watch it? 
This is on Tubi. Tubi. Uh, our classic standard <laughs> Tubi. Uh, everybody, the mark of quality Tubi, where you can watch yeah, all great 85 films. minute movie and 26 minutes of ads. Yeah, exactly. Um, from Rage of Vengeance to the classic Amityville in space, Tubi has everything you're looking for. Uh, <laughs> this podcast not sponsored by Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> How does that, I wonder what Tubi's like profit sharing model is. The fact that you can just be like that anything you could put on there i, I guess. bet Tubi takes like a 98 cents out of every dollar that is spent yeah. on that platform <laughs> i um i would say another way to phrase this movie or like frame it if you're familiar is um this is like the 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 film that godfrey ho didn't release is kind of how i felt about it oh okay <laughs> was, was there a garfield phone there was not a garfield phone oh, i wish there had been oh yeah. yeah really really disappointing what, what was the one that we watched during shocktober last year uh that is ninja terminator ninja terminator yes and i realized i had already seen it because how did this get made in an episode about <laughs> it and I, I had watched it for that yep it's uh, yeah godfrey ho magical magical filmmaker <laughs> incredible um so yeah that's my that's my recommend this time around rage of vengeance uh for all you schlock jockeys out there uh check it out let's get some all more... of you schlock jockeys out there there's <laughs> yeah, so let's... many of you out there listening to this podcast right now let's get some more <laughs> reviews on Litterbox, shall we <laughs> maybe we can get this bumped to five or even six reviews. hell if guys. we do enough maybe we can get a fucking synopsis on Litterbox. Hey. who knows <laughs> some like dreams the... come true <laughs> On IMDb, 33 people have rated it, but no one was bothered to write anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And I do yeah. like thinking about the fact that somewhere Surge is just sitting there and a check from 2B showed up for like nine cents. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, less than that. Like, oh, imagine. somebody watched yeah. it. <laughs> I want to find him and, and have a conversation. I would love to interview Surge and know what was going on. Serge, we know you're listening. Serge, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome, if you're listening. <laughs> We'd love to interview you. We'd love Hillary's emails and to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my God. But yeah, there you go, everybody. Rage of Vengeance. Rage of Vengeance. I am not going to remember that title in about 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, what did you watch this week? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out before I go more into what I did watch. Every uh, time, Ryan. You're trying yeah. to break the two rules, movies boy? every time. <laughs> we have to talk about whatever I watch with my family. And if it's not good enough, talk about an He actual says that like he's I holding watch. us hostage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I talked about Haunted Mansion previously. And when I looked at reviews for it, there were it was mixed between people who were like, yeah, this was this was all right. And people were like, God, it's so much worse than the earlier The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy that I never watched because I had only heard that thing was fucking horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, so if Lakeith we Stanfield is in something, I'm guessing it's better than the it has version to be better with Eddie than... Murphy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it has to be uh, like, you know, Eddie Murphy, he can be good and stuff, but he can also just be very abrasive and annoying and stuff. You hear that, folks? Lakeith Stanfield and the Nutty Professor. Oh, Make it happen. yeah. Oh, all right. All right. I'd watch oh. it. I'd watch it. I don't um, know that I would. That would be just a sad day to see Lakeith Stanfield debasing himself like that. Uh, that would be right. successfully I, I think made it's, Dixon depressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm really hurt. It's that not stung. hard. <laughs> uh, I, I think it says something that uh, Eddie Murphy paused for four years after The Haunted Mansion before he made another movie as a star, and that was Norbit, and then he paused again for a while. Oh, he so did another I'm definitely, Every Character movie. Yeah, yeah this is definitely prime death of Eddie Murphy time. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, The Haunted Mansion, uh, I watched it with my family, and it was terrible. And I actually asked their opinions, and all three uh, were like, yeah, the other one was way better. Uh, it, yeah, I, I was just like, this is exactly the the thing that is the shit that just gets crapped out to VHS historically. It, mm-hmm. It's sad to me that The Haunted Mansion like went to theaters. Haunted Mansion did, but it was like in and out really quick. It was honestly just like right onto Disney+. Yeah, Plus. Like fast. that was their target. Yeah, where it was much more deserving of of a theater release than The Haunted Mansion. It's not funny. This is definitely like Eddie Murphy doesn't really have a chance to be funny. It honestly doesn't make much sense. Like there was just no drive between like why anything was happening. Why are the ghosts there? Why do they have powers? Like all that not really explored. My brain was just going off the whole time. Uh, So, yeah. It was it was bullshit. Those people that thought that the new one was worse had nostalgia glasses. They were four no. when they thought it and they remember it when they saw it and they remember it being decent and it is not. <laughs> um, How do you have nostalgia glasses for early 2000s Eddie Murphy? That's just a weird place to be. It, yeah. I mean, you'd be 20 something now, you know, like, oh, I guess this was like, yeah, right. Like yeah. you would be like 20 now. So maybe you, you were just a baby. You a yeah. Yeah. This is like the third movie you ever saw. And right. You thought it yeah. was decent. Uh-huh. And you only know Eddie Murphy as the voice of Donkey and Shrek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. And you thought this was great. So the real movie that I watched, <laughs> moving on to that, uh, I watched 2007's Trick R Treat. This is the one night. So don't forget your costume. All sorts of things. Rome free. The Halloween school bus massacre. It is just the letter R in the middle there. I guess that makes. We don't have time for the O. It's just <laughs> yeah, trick yeah. or treat. Trick or treat. It's just. Uh, I going through like, you know, the horror movie franchises, like all kinds of things that I've been trying to pick, and you know, going back and looking at the character from Trick or Treat, Sam, which I don't actually think he gets a name per se in this movie, shows up like in the Halloween stores. Like every time I'm in there, there's little statues and T-shirts and shit. And I'm always like, the fuck is that character? And like, why is it there? And it, this, it's like right below the zeitgeist. It's right in that cult level, but it, enough to sell in a Halloween store, but not enough for like regular people to recognize, I don't think. So I was like, all right, I want to dig in. I want to watch this. I want to see what it is. It is an anthology. It follows five stories, question mark. It was a little hard to tell That's exactly. a lot of stories for a movie. To- yeah, damn it. Yeah, one of them is like super short, though. It's really four that have anything. And it kind of through some of it cuts back and forth a little bit from some of them. So you don't necessarily like follow one straight through. Honestly, weirdly, like saying that it works, though. Uh, they all get tied together in like a very nice bow at the end. And and I'm sure on a rewatch, this movie gets a lot better. Uh, once you kind of like know all the storylines and all the interconnected pieces like watching it through probably makes it more fun because I did go back and the final scene and the first scene 
are the same scene, but from different perspectives. And I went back and saw the first one. I was like, oh, all this stuff was happening in the background. Like, I can see it the way that it was shot. They're like, oh, across the street, this other stuff is happening. And I know now what that is. And I just sort of saw it in the background before. So I, th I think that's cool. Like, that's a good effort to kind of actually make everything fit together that way. It isn't like every one of these is like a solid, like, actual scary horror or anything. It's pretty, pretty schlocky, John. Uh, not nice. the type hmm. you watch, but the regular level of schlock. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's kind of hokey schlocky, but honestly, you know, I was talking to Darlow about it today. I know all Halloween movies are, honestly. I think other than like John the Carpenter's first, first Halloween, yep. mm -hmm. I think everything else is a little bit shitty and it knows it and it's, we're just having fun with it. Um, and so I kind of think it hit that bar where it's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's fun. You know, you're kind of having fun with the stupidity. Um, it reminded me a bit of like Tales from the Crypt or EC Comics, where it kind of like inverts each story has a little inversion in it. Uh, and there's like a thematic element to all of them of like following the rules of Halloween. Vaguely, the rules are like kind of ish established. <laughs> Um, but like respecting Halloween and if you don't like you get killed is kind of the I guess the basis of each of these stories usually mm. in a ridiculous way you get killed if you um, like don't believe in ghosts then you get killed kind of thing yeah it's like one person like the, the very first thing a person comes back and they're just like they don't enjoy Halloween and, and by the way my like Ryan radar went off immediately uh, <laughs> but I ended up being okay with it Patent the very pending. opening scene <laughs> This couple is coming back from, I guess, a Halloween party or being out or whatever. And uh, she's like, all right, Halloween's over. You know, I hate it. Whatever. We did your thing. And she goes and puts out the pumpkin light that's at like the front of the house. And her boyfriend's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like, you're supposed to just leave it on. And she's like, yeah, I don't. What's going to come get me? Like, fuck, it's Halloween. It's, you know, it's the not pumpkin like. pumpkin protects you from the evil spirits. Yeah, exactly. She then immediately wants to take down the Halloween decorations. I'm talking fucking 11 p.m. at night on October 31st. She's like, I'm to take everything it. out of the yard. Yeah. Like, we're done. <laughs> I like it. And I was like, that's insane. I'm like, that's fucking insane. <laughs> but then she gets killed for it. So I'm like, okay, that's okay. And then coming back to it, like, after all the other things, I'm like, yeah, she gets killed specifically because that's bullshit to try to take down stuff on <laughs> Halloween night. Like, that's exactly why. So I'm like, all right, I came back around to like, eh, it makes sense with like the theme. It doesn't make sense why she would think to take it down right then, but it makes sense with the theme. Um, again, kind of like you give up. It tells you at the beginning, like, hey, hey, give up a bit. Like, let's just give in to the insanity. This is just a slasher movie. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. It's kind of just like a a fun Halloween movie to add to your list. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, it each story is on, like there are other horror anthologies where one of them is like weak, like really weak. Uh, when you go back and like the tales of the crypt movie or, mm -hmm. or any of those kind of previous ones, there's always at least one story that you're like, wow, that one's really bad. These are all honestly pretty on par with each other. It's not like they're all A's. None of them are, but it's like nice to see like a, a they're, they're all solid. Like, B minuses all throughout. So it's at least level. Mm, okay. So it's aggressively average is what you're saying. Well, he said a little yeah. above average. It's okay. Yeah. Like just slightly, uh -huh. just slightly. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think if it was like each one was independent and they didn't really tie in to each other well, and there wasn't a thematic sharing 
uh, or anything, then it would be kind of like, all right, whatever you put together something. But like as a movie, it, it, it has that elevation I talked about with a horror where this combination of all these stories and things kind of happening in the background that are related to the other ones and how you kind of learn a little bit more about the characters as things go on. And there's this central Sam character that's kind of in the background. It comes around to creating something that's like slightly elevated that gives mm -hmm. it something that sets it apart from just like we killed people. Ah, we had fun. Hmm. Yeah. I know the director, Michael Doherty, also directed uh, Krampus, which is one of my favorite. Oh, I saw Krampus films. with uh, Adam Scott. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, uh -huh. that's a really fun uh, horror comedy movie. Yeah, um, he he and Brian Singer are part of this, and they've made every bad superhero thing. So it's a little. <laughs> oh, <laughs> does he direct uh, all of the uh, short films within it? All all the segments. Yeah, it's like all one thing. Okay. Yeah, even though they're like independent stories, so to speak, in kind of an anthology, it actually all is one thing. Okay. They're not necessarily like one story flows to the next, but it it shares some characters and kind of wraps it all together in in the end. So yeah, it's like they're all kind of the same piece, so they should be all directed the same. So there's no like real different feel to any of them. Like you would like with yeah, with Tales from the Crypt or something like that, each one is drastically different and drastically directed differently. This one is like no, they're this they're all in the same the same world, the same night, the same kind of people. Nice. How, how um, I'm just curious in general temperature check for the room. How do y'all feel generally about anthology series? Like you into it, you not into it, you indifferent. Typically, like I haven't seen a lot of them. The ones that I have seen, I haven't been super into. Um, th there's a movie that I've been wanting to watch forever that I haven't gotten to called New York Stories. That is a like a New York anthology film where three segments directed by Scorsese, Woody Allen, and Francis Ford Coppola. And I was like, that sounds really cool. I, I want to watch that, but I haven't seen it. But um, I, I haven't like the, the, of the anthology films that I've seen, I've always felt like, okay, these are short films that are kind of connected, but not really. And it just feels like a, it feels like more of a shorts program than it does a cohesive movie. I, I think mostly in my experience. Yeah, it, anthologies are, are just tough in general. Like even anthologies as a TV show or anthologies from like season to season, like True Detective. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. there's always like a weak one and then it kind of just throws yeah. everything Yeah, I watched off. season one and season three of True Detective and that's it. And I probably won't watch any more of it. And I yeah, like probably good. both yeah. of those, but like I feel, don't feel like I need to watch any more of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing with anthology movies. There are some I like from like a cult level, like Slacker is an anthology. You kind of just like oh, leave in and out does that of count? people's stories. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like you kind of just like move from story to story and yeah. they're, they're actually like less interconnected. Um, I, I feel like Slacker is so much its own thing that I would like, I feel like it, typically an anthology thing is like there are discrete stories and Slacker there's not. You're just like, you are the camera moving through the city, experiencing Flowing. different things, yeah. and there's like little two minute bits that string together. Twenty two short way. films in Springfield. Exactly. Yes. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh -huh. that's actually yeah, that's a good example. Uh, Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. May I see it? 
No. I also like uh, Four Rooms. Like, it's completely stupid. But, like, that kind of, like, it. I almost feel like the ones I like are that, like, cult-ish level. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, like, Amazing Stories in the Twilight Zone movie and Tales from the Crypt. Like, there's always a weak one. There, There's always, you know, it kind of just, they don't necessarily flow with each other. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with the TV shows. Like, there are episodes of Tales from the Crypt or Outer Limits that are, like, fucking amazing. Yep. And then there's a lot that are not <laughs> even a lot like a like a egg. Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode, you know, like even some of the better ones, there's always weak points. Right. And like a lot of times I don't like Treehouse of Horror episodes, but there's occasionally like one of my favorite Simpsons episodes ever is like the shinning and the time traveling toaster. But then they're, <laughs> they're still like eating the children in the cafeteria. And that one is fine. Yeah, it's like a run of the mill average tree as a horror segment. But it like it feels like it is bringing you down from like these two segments that are two of the best things the Simpsons have ever done, and then you have the eating the children in the cafeteria one. You are like, oh, or like the Ghoul Bus, right. which is just the terror at ten thousand feet or whatever, but yeah. on a school bus kind of thing. It's repeated, like, right, or the, right. yeah, the way they did an early one where they just do the Raven, just straight yeah. up, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, straight up the Raven. Okay, uh, yeah, and the Raven is Bart for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even like if you were like put a gun in my head. And I'm like, what's the best anthology movie? I, I'm like, uh, uh I, I wouldn't. Even, I don't even know if it's trick or treat. I have no idea. Like, I, I need to watch the New York stories, and I will report back on it. But yeah, yeah. Let us know. yeah. Uh, cool. All right, so you are recommending trick or treat? Yeah, I do. Rick, I do recommend it. I, it's interesting to me that it has kind of a cult following it kind of works but there's not like nine more of them like there usually would be i guess yeah. it just didn't make the right amount of money it's probably hard to make additional anthology movies i would guess like it's probably hard to turn that into a franchise yeah that's a, that's an even more of a stretch <laughs> yeah and unless they just decide oh we're gonna take this character and we're just gonna make a cohesive 90 minute movie about him and just turn a yeah. make that into a franchise really but. seems like now with streaming the, that you would be able to get away with that yeah like, yeah 100 the wrong yeah. thing to do though this yeah. is that that's exactly like don't go back and give them a backstory that's, the, yeah. that's exactly the wrong thing to do i don't need that <laughs> all right so i watched a classic horror movie this week i was hanging out with my girlfriend this week and trying to figure out something to watch. She's not into scary movies. And I was like, come on, like it's October. Can you watch like one scary movie with me? And I, I suggested some like horror movies that aren't that viscerally terrifying. And uh, she was like, I think I could probably handle Hitchcock. So we watched Psycho this past week. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway, perfectly harmless looking. When in fact, it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here very slowly. Of course, the shower was on, there was no sound. And, uh, Well, it's, it's too horrible to describe. I had seen Psycho before. I had not seen the 4K restoration yet. And I had the Hitchcock 4K collection that has uh, Rear Window, Psycho, Vertigo, and The Birds. And I, haven't, I hadn't seen any of them yet in that format. I've seen all those movies, but I hadn't seen them on 4K. Um, you don't so want to see the face smashing of Vertigo in 4K. <laughs> 
I actually I've heard the restoration of Vertigo is incredible. I, I want I do want to check it out, but um, yeah, I'm sure not every scene would would look the, great the in hot, that hot Jimmy Stewart action. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> um, but uh, the Psycho 4K restoration was incredible. They they pitched it as this thing where like, oh, it's this uncut version that nobody has seen since 1960 when it released in theaters, and every home video version has been this like. Uh, handicapped studio version that is not showing you the actual real thing. And I was like, oh, okay, this could be interesting to see some sort of new cut that hasn't been seen for, you know, 60 plus years. I didn't notice a single fucking difference. <laughs> I've seen Psycho several times before. I didn't pick up on any differences in this new cut. So that was a little disappointing, but the 4K restoration does look really great. So so that was fun to see. Um yeah, I mean, Psycho, you know, if you haven't seen Psycho, what are you doing? Uh, you know, it's basically the, uh, you know, the story of uh, a, uh, you know, an executive assistant played by Janet Lee who is having an affair with a married man. And, uh, you know, they want to kind of go have a life for themselves. And he's looking to divorce his wife. But if he does that, he'll be poor and paying alimony and he won't be able to provide for Janet Lee. And so they're kind of stuck in this situation they she lives in uh southern california and he lives in oh no she lives in phoenix and he lives in california somewhere and so they're you know kind of trying to figure this out they're going back and forth to see each other and uh one afternoon a rich dude walks into her office and decides to buy a house with forty thousand dollars cash and her boss says hey take this forty thousand dollars cash to the bank and she decides to pocket that cash and drive to her her boyfriend and say hey i got some money you can divorce your wife now and we can live happily ever after um on the drive there she has to stop at the bates motel uh run by norman bates played wonderfully by anthony perkins and things go terribly wrong from there um yeah i mean psycho is is just a you know a wonderful classic horror thriller movie um you know hitchcock i have a bit i kind of mixed feelings on hitchcock i think he is technically just one of the most adept filmmakers of his era just doing things with the camera that just nobody had really thought of doing before um he kind of doesn't give a shit about his characters and that can become a problem in his movies like you know we've talked about vertigo before um, with Psycho, I think it's less of a problem because Anthony Perkins is just so good as Norman Bates that it doesn't really matter that Hitchcock doesn't care about the characters because he's just bringing so much to that role. Um, it, Psycho is, is you know, a, a lot of there's a lot of famous scenes in Psycho. One of the most famous things about it is that you're following this one character and you're thinking this movie is about this thing about stealing money and trying to get away with it and doing all this thing. And then all of a sudden she is murdered and you're like, oh shit, where do we go from here? And you have no main character. And as an audience, you're completely unmoored and confused about what's going on and how to understand what you're seeing going forward. Um, this is the second week in a row that I am recommending a movie that has Martin Balsam in a supporting role and an incredible score by Bernard Herrmann. Uh, so that's pretty cool with, with both of these, I, last week with Cape Fear from 1962 and, and this week with Psycho. Um, but yeah, I mean, Psycho is a really fun ride. It's like scary, but it's very digestible. It, it's not 
viscerally terrifying. Like I would say that Mandy is way scarier than Psycho, but you might not actually classify Mandy as a horror movie where like you kind of have to classify Psycho as a, a horror movie. Um, even though Hitchcock is known more for doing thrillers and stuff, this, this feels like kind of beyond the point where you can say it's, it's not a horror movie, but, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Psycho is great. It's just, there's so many, um, really innovative things in its camera work and, you know, kind of creating the slasher genre and, and, you know, all of these things. There's so many horror movies that came afterward about like, dudes with weird sexual hang-ups about you know like uh dressing as women and killing women and all these things that uh you know having personality disorders that had never really been done in films at the time that have become just consistent tropes in horror films and psychological thrillers and whatever you want to call them uh you know as we've gone from 1960 to today um the bernard herman score is fucking great and um there there's so many shots that are so iconic like obviously there's the shower scene that everybody knows and there's the hermit score going er, 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 and, and all that that that's great but there's also so many scenes that are just so well done like um vera miles stumbling across the the corpse of the mother and, and like the light bulb swinging back and forth that just has this this really great effect on on the shot just the just beautiful black and white cinematography that i think it would not it wouldn't have the visceral effect that it does if it were shot in color uh, but the black and white with the the contrast of the light and the way the camera moves just works really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, Psycho is good. Uh, newsflash, um, you know, you should, uh, <laughs> you should check it out. I assume both of you have seen Psycho several times. Oh, yeah. And I've also yeah, known yeah. that shots in Psycho are referenced in like film books, film classes. Mm -hmm. They're all like kind of referenced as these psychological techniques that are used, like the conversation between, you know, Bates and, uh, 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 sorry, totally blanking on it right now. Janet Lee. Janet Lee, yeah. Between Bates and Janet Lee, um, the angles of those shots and like, conveyance of power or just some kind of off kilter atmosphere to it that is something that is always uh, like i remember from any kind of like film book that i've read that they just reference psycho and how that puts something in your mind as an audience which at times is true and at other times no it can just be a choice that you make it depends so um yeah i remember seeing psycho and being pretty freaked out by it not like a horrifying freaked out but just like unsettled it was very still very creepy in, yeah. in a way i have seen it i've seen the gus van zandt remake i have not i have no that. interest in doesn't that one that. use the bernard herman score as well it is just the same movie it's shot for shot except right not as color. except in color yeah. with different actors who don't quite capture this, i cannot the, the imagine vince vaughn in that role and i don't i yeah, don't want to see it, it. it for <laughs> some reason i I thought that uh, it wasn't Vince Vaughn. I thought it was Jason Bateman. Like, oh, I don't that would why. be more interesting. Yeah, Jason yeah. Bates Bateman's motel. <laughs> 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 it's Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah, I've I've also seen the sequel, the Psycho sequels with uh, that Anthony. I haven't uh, seen any of those. For. Yeah. They're bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're not directed by Hitchcock, so I would imagine no. they're just money uh, grabs. Yeah. They're directed by Anthony Perkins, at least. Oh. One, at least, I think one of them is directed by Anthony Perkins, okay. which is interesting. 
Whichever one is like Anthony Perkins and Jennifer Tilly that's completely stupid, uh, I enjoy for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> uh, so how was it um, to someone who had not seen it or to, to sort of a modern day audience as well? Yeah. Like, so the lady friend had never seen it and she, you know, I was like, okay, like it's a horror movie, but like you should be able to survive, you know, it's not going to give you nightmares. And, um, she was like not scared at all and was like predicting what was going to happen throughout the movie. Uh, spoiler alert for psycho. She was like, oh, he's dressing up as his mother or, oh, he does taxidermy. So there's gotta be something going on with that you know and uh, like she was very yeah. very much putting the pieces together and like almost looking at it more as a mystery than as a horror movie mm -hmm. and i think there there are a lot of mystery aspects to it um but you know it definitely you know was not and for for somebody like you know she doesn't watch horror movies she loves disney movies and it, she still was like not uh, affected by it really and was just kind of picking it picking it apart as like she she was like oh it was okay and she was you know predicting things that were going to happen um successfully but um she didn't appreciate it from a filmmaking perspective the, the way that that i did where i was like oh that shot's so cool and all this stuff and all oh, the music's so good and um she was just like ah he's his mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i have wondered I think the movie is just going to continue to stand the test of time because of the music, the cinematography. There just really mm -hmm. are these interesting shots. The technical things that Hitchcock does are always really interesting. Like even, you know, we talked about Vertigo and crapped on so many parts of it, but there are some really awesome technical camera work things that were done that we yeah, still absolutely. talked about. Um, but I do wonder, like, looking back, I've always, you go back to these sort of prototypical movies the ones that like created genres and then now they're almost so vanilla in comparison or they have these really embarrassing aspects which i would say for psycho the sort of misuse of a personality disorder yeah that has yeah. been perpetuated kind of ever since and the explainer uh, scene at the end of the movie at the ending scene that, that is like yeah, the only bad say. scene in the movie yeah yeah. But probably needed for an audience back then, I wonder. But now yeah. it's like, we get it. We, we got it. Like, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. You know, like, that that scene is very much, like, you know, litigated today. And, like, does that make the movie worse and, and doesn't need to be removed? And it's like, you know, it's whatever. He shot it. It, it should stay in the movie. But, like, it definitely, like, just slams on the brakes at the end of the movie where you have this thing that is just amping up and up and up and this incredible scene at the end of the movie where you know anthony perkins is captured and and all this stuff and then you have this okay we're gonna sit you down and the cop's gonna or the the psychiatrist is gonna explain to you all of the mental disorders that he's going through and all this stuff but then you go into the prison cell and you have this fascinating scene of anthony perkins narrating his own thoughts right yeah. and that scene is really good but like, I wish that they would have not done the explainer scene and had just been like, had some sort of protracted scene where they're like, you know, oh my God, we got him back there. What are we going to do? And then they have the camera tracking shot into the room and have his mental thoughts going in the voice face, of the mother. Yeah. Like that, that would have been a more effective ending of the film, I think. Well, at least, you know, they didn't George Lucas it. 
Yeah, guess. they didn't go go back and CGI <laughs> Put a walkie-talkie in Anthony Perkins' hands. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fuck they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I... Some of the Hitchcock stuff has not aged as well, I would say, like, for modern audiences, but it's just... It's just a thing of the times, right? Like you become desensitized to some of the older shock value things and some of the stuff that you didn't understand before. It's like now we're way more educated on that and it mm. becomes like way more antiquated. So I think that it's important to keep it there as a cultural touchstone to know like, you know, back then it was thought of as being like something that was so shocking and different and misunderstood and this and now we can see it and we can critique it and we can comment on it and that doesn't make it worse necessarily that just means hey we preserve it this way that's the history yeah and and the thing that stands the test of time with hitchcock movies is just his filmmaking prowess is still so impressive today right and like i watched a featurette on the the blu-ray of like a bunch of directors just talking about the influence of psycho and hitchcock more broadly and like scorsese was just gushing about hitchcock and like talked about how much that influenced Cape Fear, like not just Psycho, but Hitchcock's uh, filmography broadly. Um, William Friedkin said that basically like you don't need to, no one needs to go to film school anymore. You should just watch all of Hitchcock's movies and like <laughs> learn how to make movies, like uh, how to adapt all of these techniques in cinematography and scoring and like framing shots and all these things. And like, I would argue that Hitchcock knows less about developing characters than maybe any director that has ever like been a successful Hollywood director, but he's so good at everything else that like it it's okay, it right? Matter, he's, yeah. It's like, I wish that Vertigo had better character development, but it doesn't, but it's still a good movie, right? And it does a lot of cool things that are really interesting. Um so you know like his 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 films stand the test of time because they're just really well made and he has such an incredible cinematic eye where he can craft these these movies in in a fascinating way and and psycho is you know up there with the best of of the movies that he's made obviously and it's just uh you know if you watch it if you have any sort of context for for movies, you understand. Oh yeah, this is like really well crafted the the way it's done. Yeah, if it wasn't for Hitchcock, we might not have had Top Dog with Chuck Norris and that Shaggy Dog. Hey, it's John from the editing booth. And if you listened to the last episode of Recommender Refute, you know that I am still in the wrong on this one. It was not, in fact, Hitchcock that used the tower from Top Dog. It was Orson Welles. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. And that whole sequence of Balboa Park. <laughs> uh, where they shot the <laughs> Where they reopened sequence. the Vertigo yeah. Tower for him. There's uh, a lot of things we may not have had without Hitchcock. Uh, <laughs> Scorsese, Friedkin, <laughs> Top Dog. Uh, yeah. so, many, so many cultural touchstones. Oh my God. <laughs> Cool. Uh, Ryan is the resident Hitchcock expert. Any, any other comments on, on psycho? Yeah, I think we, I'd said it before that I'm like, I, I think psycho just is his best. It's kind of clear just because of the cultural impact that it still has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we just directly the slasher films, the giallo <laughs> yeah. right, are just like directly came right off of like, Oh, I want to do that too. Um, and yeah, I do think that the other thing about Hitchcock is this, it's right around the time that, that you start to have like a, like the director 
is so much this personality and that you're yeah. going to these films because of the director. It he was, was just Alfred such a Hitchcock's life. psycho in the credits. Right. right. Like, yeah, his name is a big part of it. And he knew how to like promote himself and promote his movies. Like part the other thing about psycho at the time was just how much he like hyped it up and created like it was like social media marketing today where he just like made up all this bullshit about it and what people were experiencing and things like that to get people to come in. Well, and he had his it. TV show at the time too, right? Yeah. So he could promote it that way, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I still think Notorious is his best movie, but I also have a huge crush on Ingrid Bergman. So you know, there's that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay. All right. So we have three recommends this week. Correct, John. You're recommending Rage some... of Vengeance. Yeah, again, I already forgot. You already forgot it. <laughs> Rage of Vengeance. It's on Tubi for free, folks. Yeah, folks, you don't have to pay a dime to suffer. <laughs> uh, that is the only way you can watch it, I assume. Yep. Uh, Ryan is recommending Trick or Treat, and yep. I am uh, giving a, a big two thumbs up for Psycho. So uh, that wraps us up for this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody, uh, with me, as always. John Garcia, folks. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think of Rage of Vengeance if you watch it. You're one of five, six people if you end up watching it. John we'll will see. be monitoring the Letterbox page yeah. every day, just I'm refreshing hoping for it right someone now. else to rate that movie. <laughs> Doing a pull down and refresh right now. <laughs> <laughs> and? Brian King. Uh, in defense of Tubi, Mandy is on Tubi. Oh, really? oh there you go. it's not all terrible watch stuff. Mandy for oh, I did not know that. Well, you should definitely watch Mandy. Uh, I always forget to uh, introduce myself at the end of these things. I have been your host, Michael Dixon. Uh, yep. <laughs> hey there, movie buffs. TV toughs and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.